The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Well, it's winter again, isn't it? I wonder if it's going to go, but I'm not complaining. I love this kind of weather out here. If you would, turn to Psalms chapter 139. And uh, I'm a grandpa, finally. (laughs) And there's old grandma. She looks more like grandma than I do a grandpa, don't she? Uh. Jessica, Jessa Kate was born Thursday, and I hope you all saw that and got that message. And uh, everybody say, oh, she's just beautiful. You know, they're really not beautiful. They look kind of like a chicken neck when they're first born, you know. But she's getting there, and uh, hopefully she'll be here long, for long and we can all meet her. We have some stuff at work. We're going we're gonna to start kind of a new series today, or it is a new series, and I don't know, it's going to go 11 or 12 weeks, so a couple months about living the abundant life. I, I, uh, I quote the scripture a lot out of John that Jesus said, I've came that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. And last week I was driving back from a, from a meeting I had up in Sherman and uh, I got to thinking about what does that mean? And I want you to think about that just a moment. What does it mean to have the abundant life? I think immediately my thoughts, and I'll just be honest with you, my thoughts were, well, I'm going to have all the things I need. You know, I'm going to have plenty of money, and I'm going to have other desires in my heart. And is that the abundant life? Is that what Jesus meant when he said, I came that you would have abundant life and that you'd live life even more abundantly? So in your, your mind this morning, I want you to, to just kind of think about, you might not have, have thought about this before, but, but think about what did Jesus mean when he said, I, I've come that you'd have life and that you'd have it more abundantly. Because what I want us to do over the next several weeks is think about the secrets to living an abundant life. And I'm talking about living that life, not simply going through life or going through the motions, not simply waiting on something to happen in the future. And I've read some statistics on this before, and I've told you before, I don't remember what they are, and I didn't bother to look them up. But, but there's a great number of people that are living life waiting on something, anticipating something. And, and when they were interviewed by Barna, he, he, he talked about what are you waiting on? And people were waiting on children to be born or ch- children to graduate or children to go to college or, or college students was waiting to graduate and get a job or, or people were waiting to get married and our people were waiting to retire. Every, every aspect of life, people were, were waiting on something. And, and their answer was when this happens, then I'm going to start living. When this happens, then I'm going to start chasing my dreams. Or when this happens, then I'm going to start doing this or that. And, and you know, the secret to living an abundant life is living today and, and living our life every day. And then when we get uh, older and we look back, you know, we can realize, hey, I, I've lived my life and I've had an abundant life. But there are some secrets to doing that. I want to bore you just a little bit, and I hope you're not bored every week. But, but this morning talk a little bit about some training we have at work and we have an initiative and you know how big companies do and <laughs> they come up with all these ideals and uh so it's called pods and and uh i hope nobody's listening from from our dallas office i don't remember what that stands for but it stands for something p-o-d-s and and inside that framework of pods we have what we call rca training now i know what that is because i'm one of the trainers and it's called root cause analysis 
And, and when we was doing this training, what they had us do is we went through all this training material and they said, okay, now we're going to break up in groups and we're going to, we're going to have this exercise. And they talked about the, uh, the, the monument up in Washington and this was a true situation and, and they had pigeons and pigeons were, pigeoning all over everything there and and the pigeon stuff was was tearing the statues up and was eroding the building and so they said uh, what can we do well the 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 the, the question was uh, how can we fix this and and what's the root cause of this well your immediate answer is well it was the pigeons well why were the pigeons there and, and as they begin to do this study, they, they realized that there was some kind of beetle that the pigeons loved to eat. And this beetle had made its home there around this monument. And so they started treating the beetles. And when they got the beetle problem solved, the, the, the pigeon problem solved itself. And, and then from that, they said, okay, we have another exercise. And, and we're going to say you have a car wash. And they broke us up into teams. And they said, uh, you need to make a profit with your car wash. And, and they gave us a, a, a set of directions. And, and in those directions, it said you need a, a manager, you need a cashier, you need workers in your car wash. And, and you've got to take this order. It's got to go to the washers. They have to wash the car, put what they've done, bring it back. And, and we started the process. And it was a, it was a disaster. I mean, nobody, nobody knew what was going on. No, you know, we, we ended up, if you were the cashier, you ended up with a whole stack of papers and you couldn't figure out who did what. And, and then they said, okay, how did that go? Everybody said, it went terrible. Said, all right, now we're going to give you a little more instructions. And in the second set of instructions, it spelled out some things that we could do better in the process. So after three rounds, by the last process, we were washing twice the amount of cars in half the time and making more money. And how we did all that was we began to look at the root cause of the problem. We began to correct those problems. And, and as we corrected those problems, things began to run smoother. Well, what does that have to do with living an abundant life? Nothing. I just wanted to tell you that story. But that's, not, that's really not true. I really kind of thought about how similar is that exercise to the lives of Christians today? How similar does that sound? You know, only after some measure of failure in life do we ask God, okay, God, how do I succeed? I've tried this. I've tried that. My kids are graduated. I've graduated college. I'm married. I'm waiting for retirement. Retirement's here. Or I'm waiting to get a job. I've got a job. But, but you know what? I'm still not living the abundant life. And, and so God, what do I need to do? So I think a lot of times as Christians, we just go through that process and, and you know, it really bothers us. It should really bother us. It bothers me that, that people live a life so often in disarray and despair because they're Christians, but, but they've never really thought about how do I live the abundant life? I promise you, and we're going to read John 10, 10 in just a moment. When Jesus says, I came that you have a life and that you'd have an abundant life, he's speaking to us, his children, those of us that have accepted Christ as our personal Savior. He says, this is my plan for you, that you would have an abundant life. And I've got you in Psalms 139, and I want to read this Psalms. It is a great Psalms, and I hope that you'll mark this in your Bible, fold the ear flap over or something, but uh, the psalmist says, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down, and you're familiar with all my ways. 
Before a word is on my tongue, you completely know it, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not hide to you. The night will not, well, the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your words are wonderful, and I know them full well. And my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. And when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days were ordained for me. And were written in your book before one of them came to be. Look at verse 17. Underline this, if you will, in your Bibles. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. And how vast is the sum of them. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you think about your kids a lot, don't you? You think about your grandkids a lot. Even when you're at work, even when you're out doing something, a, a thought comes to your mind. And, and look at what the psalmist is saying. How precious to me, God, are your thoughts of me? I mean, we're always on God's mind because remember, He's our Heavenly Father. Verse 18, were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. Then he has a little request here in 19. If only you would slay the wicked, O God, away from me, you bloodthirsty men. They, they speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and harbor those who rise up against you? I have nothing but hatred for them, and I count them as my enemies. And look at verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts, and see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a great psalms, and and as I was thinking about that, and thinking about the abundant life, and thinking about God Himself, as He knows us, He knows our every thought, He knows everything about us. And here's the great thing: He still loves us. Isn't that great? He knows our thoughts. He knows our words before we speak them. He knows our actions. And, and He still loves us. He still calls us into Himself. He, he still woos us into Himself. And He wants to direct us. And He wants us to have that, that abundant life. And I think that abundant life is built on about three principles. And, and I know that's oversimplifying things. But that's why we're going to talk over the next uh, 12 weeks about, about some different ideals and principles to live an abundant life. But I think they can, they can be kind of built built upon this foundation of, of these three principles. The first is this, God has a plan for your life. And, and if you're a born-again Christian and God has called you, He has a plan for you. He didn't simply call you and say, I just want you to come and I want to put you on a shelf over here. He says, I, I've called you and I've set you apart and I have a plan for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I have plans for you to prosper and not to harm you. And I have plans to give you hope and a future. Listen to that. He has plans that we would have a hope 
and that we'd have a future. God has a plan for you. The second is this. There's a battle going on. You know right now, this very moment, there's a battle for your life. And John 10.10 says this, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's talking about Satan. He comes to destroy us. He comes to destroy God's plan. But I've come that you'd have life and that you'd have it even more abundantly. So we need to realize there's a battle going on. God has a plan for our life. There is a battle going on. And the third thing is this, too many of God's people are losing the battle. Too many of God's people, their, their, their marriages are struggling or falling apart. Children are falling away. Finances are in, in shambles. All kinds of things. And life just seems too hard. And if you're in that situation when you say, you know what, life is just too hard. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew 9, 36. He said, he saw the crowds and the crowds had come to them and they were starving and the crowds were coming to him and they were sick and, and they had all kinds of ailments and they were coming to Jesus. And, and remember at one time the apostles even turned the crowds away and, and Jesus said, let them come. That's the reason I came. And, and he says, he saw the crowds and he had compassion upon them. Because they were harassed and they were helpless and they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I'm not saying this is some kind of magic potion. I'm just saying there's, a, there's some principles that we can get out of God's Word. When we go back and we start, we start further examining what God's plans are, and we start getting a little more information, and we start digging a little deeper, and we, we, we begin to see some root causes of our problems, and we begin to understand God's principles, I think at that point we begin to have that foundation we can build a life upon. So, so what would keep us... Uh, or, or what would help us understand God's principles? There's four questions I want to ask you this morning, and this is kind of just laying the foundation of, of the, the next several messages. And here are the four questions, and I hope we can ask them. The first uh, of the four is this, who are you? Now, that sounds pretty simple. We'll talk more about that. What are you? Where are you? And what do you really want? Let's just, we're going we're gonna to address those four questions as we're thinking about the foundation to building an abundant life and living an abundant life. Who are you? What are you? Where are you? And what do you really want? So the first is this, who are you? At the first answer to that question, you could probably roll your eyes and say, well, I'm Jake Vaughn. I mean, I don't understand what, what, what's so difficult about that. But I think when you, when you dig a little deeper... It might not be as easy as you really think at first. It might not be simply that simple. I'm not asking your name. I'm, that's easy. I'm asking you, who, who are you really? I mean, really, if you think about it, did, did you know that a lot of people just can't answer that question? They, they have a lot of different ideas. They, they have a lot of tasks. They have a lot of things they do. They, 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 they have things they want people to think they are. They, they have things that, that they want people to think they're not. But, but when they really get down to it, they, they, really don't, they really don't say, this is who I am. It's not roles they're going through. It's not, it's not some kind of facade they're putting up. But, but who are you really? I mean, who, who are you really? <laughs> and I want you to know, and I hope you hear this, life gets easier when you discover who you are and listen, and when you begin to like yourself. 
Do you hear that? When you, when you begin to realize this is who I am, I'm just, I'm who I am. Folks, when I'm before you, I'm who I am. That's why I mispronounce words and why some of y'all don't know how to say arguments and I, I got it down. Uh, uh, that's who I am. That's, that's just who I am. And, and I'm okay with me. And a lot of times, if we don't really know who we are, we don't like ourselves. And when we don't like ourselves, it causes us problems. So I think the more we can discover, this really is who I am. And, and you like me or you don't like me, warts and all. I mean, it's just what you get. And, and I'm not saying we go against God because God is creating. The Bible says we're being recreated into God's image all the time. So, so God is creating us to be, <coughs> excuse me, who we are. And, and the quicker we can discover that and the quicker we can like ourselves, I think the quicker we can begin to live an abundant life. If we're constantly struggling trying to be something we're not, that's miserable, isn't it? You ever done that? You know Andy Griffith? I like old Andy Griffith. And if you'll remember him and Barney, they got an invitation to go to a new club. Y'all remember that? And old Barn, you know, he, he tried to dress up and he tried to talk intellectually to people and, and, uh, he kept saying, Andy, you can't be like that. And, and they had a yacht they were going to go fishing in and Andy had a little, uh, flat bottom boat and, and he said, you can't tell them guys that stuff. And, and they come back and they said, well, Andy, we want you in our club, but we don't want Barney in there. You know, because Barney was trying to be something he wasn't. And, and Andy said, you know what, won't y'all come out and we'll get my flat bottom. And, and those yacht guys there said, oh, that'd be a blast, you know. It, it, it's being who we are and, and not trying to build something because if you try to be something you're not, you're miserable. I think one of the coolest things to understand is God knows you. And, and He created you, and He loves you as you are. Let's look at Psalms 139, 1-5 again. Oh Lord, You have searched me. <coughs> you know me. You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path, my laying down. You're, you're, you're intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before words on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, You know it all. You have enclosed me in, behind and before, and You have laid Your hand upon me. That's who we are in Christ, and we need to understand that. So I think the first thing in life, abundant life, is figuring out really who we are. And since God knows me better than I know myself then I think we need to say, God, just show me who I am. If, if we're not sure this morning and we don't have a direction, start making that your first prayer. God, just show me who I am. Show me what you've created me to be. And I believe God will answer that and help, help me, God, to embrace and, and to purify the bad in me for your glory. And I think God will direct that. So, so that's the first question. Here's the second thing. What are you? This, this question may also seem pretty easy right on the surface, but, but the question here is really, what did God make me to be? What, God, what did you make me to be? What did you create me to be? David declares in Psalms 139, against, again, verse 13 through 16, <clears throat> For you created my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you. Listen, everyone here this morning can say this, because I am fearfully... And I am wonderfully made. Amen? Now, do y'all believe that? Because you didn't say that with much conviction. Well, we're Baptists. We can't speak in church, you know. But uh, 
listen, God made you and you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made because your works are wonderful. If you say, well, I'm not wonderfully made, well, you're saying, God, you didn't make me right. The psalmist says, you're fearfully, you're wonderfully made because your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. And my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to believe. Some of you may not have a clue what God created you to be, but we need to find out. We need to work towards that saying, okay, what, what God, what am I? What have you made me to be? And, and when we do that, we may have some fear and frustrations. We may have made bad decisions or uh, compromised in the past or laziness in the past. We, we may have succeeded in the past, but still we're not where God wanted us to be. Some people may have dropped out from school. You may have never finished some things you were wanting to do. You may still be looking for some things that you want to do. Don't be afraid to say, okay, God, I, I'm ready to start over. I, I'm ready to come to you, and I, I want to know, God, who am I in you? And, and what have you created me to be? Here's the third thing. Where are you? That, that's important uh, self-evaluation. Where, where are you today? Think about this. Listen, Doug, are we there yet? Now, who all knows who I'm talking about? Uh, Jim, you remember... <laughs> I know Doug does because we've talked about it. Oh, Ashley, <laughs> we went on a trip, rainy, Ashley rainy then, uh, and I don't think, just to Dallas probably, or Tyler, it was to Tyler. If she said one time, she said a hundred times, are we there yet? <laughs> are we there yet? <laughs> and, uh, and it was, no, we like that, well, are we there yet? And, and I was thinking about that this morning. Anytime we go on a trip, you want to know where you are, don't you? Are we there yet? Man, when you're young, am I there yet? Are we getting close? How much, how much farther? Or even if you're driving, maybe, you, maybe at one time we used maps, and maybe you, you'd get out a map and you'd look and you'd say, okay, we're right here and here's where we're headed. And, and think about that spiritually. Where, where are you at spiritually? I mean, God gives us new opportunities. God gives us new possibilities. Uh, God has a plan for us. God has a direction for us. And, and folks, at, sometimes we just need to stop and we need to say, okay, where am I at? You know, here's God's plan for me and here's, here's how I think God's directing me. And, and ultimately, here's where I want to be. So, so where am I at at this time? And, and as we grow in Christ, as we, as we move forward in Christ... There's, there's things that, that change in us. I, I, I was thinking about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, and I think this kind of fits in good. Paul said this, When I was a child, I used to speak like a child. I used to think like a child. I used to reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. I was reading a book this week by Ed Young, and uh, it was talking about how to make your marriage sizzle. You better watch out, Denise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, that's, that really is what it is. But, but uh, he talked about o- arguments. Arguments <laughs> in marriages. And he said this, and I want you to think about this. I never thought about it before. He said, most arguments come because of childish 
thinking. Isn't that so true? Now, we may not admit it, but isn't that so true? I mean, he talked about language we use. He talked about the, the things we say. You go back to like you're on the playground as a child. And, and he talked about how we need to get out of childish ways in our, in our relationships. And, and I was thinking about this. Where are we at? Have we moved on from that point of, of childishness in our relationship with God? I mean, we're going to have tough times. We're going to have good times. We're going to have all of these things. And maybe it's time we put away some things. And, and here's the thing. Childish excuses. You know, when it's this tough, I, I have a bunch of guys that work for me. And, and sometimes something will happen and you'll know they did it. And, and they know they did it, and, and you say, what happened? Well, I didn't do that. Well, that, what does that sound like? That sounds like a child, doesn't it? And, and these are grown men. And, and I got to thinking, and I was the same way. You know, it, it's hard sometimes just to admit, hey, I goofed up. I, I goofed up, and I, I did the wrong thing. And, and because of that, there's some consequences because of that, and I'm going to have to suffer those consequences, but I'm going to move on. And, and in our relationship with God, where are we at? And if we'd say, you know what, I've, I've made some childish mistakes and I, I've, I've done some things and I need to put away those things and I need to put away childish excuses and, and I need to embrace the power of God because through the power of God, I can be what He wants me to be. And folks, we're never going to be happier than when we're in the middle of God's design for us. We were created by God. He knows us. He knows everything about us. And we're going to find the most happiness when we're in the middle of His will. Now, what is Satan going to say? Oh, you're going to miss out on something. You get in God's will. Think of all the things you're going to miss out on. That ain't true. Because God says, here's where I want you. And I have an abundant life for you. And you're not going to miss out on things. We're going to miss out when we take the wrong turn and we get off on the side streets and the alleys and, and then we're going to find ourselves making excuses. We're going to find ourselves unhappy and we're going to find ourselves often blaming God. And that's when we move back to what Paul was saying, those childish thinkings and those childish things. Here's the last thing, my last point. What do you really want? Think about that. What do you really want? That may be the most difficult question of all. I was thinking about that even this morning, sat in my study, and I was thinking about what do you really want? And I'm 54, and I, that's young for grandpa, ain't it? I'm 54, and I was thinking, you know what I really want? What I really want? I, I want to do so many things. And I, I'm going to do some of them. I mean, I, there's so many things I could just set up here and Denise hears about them. I don't think she even listens anymore. She just, oh, yeah, okay, and goes back to what she's doing. But I want to do so many things. But, but what do you really want? What do you want your life to look like? Oh, think about that. I can't answer that, but what do you want your life to look like? I don't care if you're, if you're five years old or if you're 95 years old. It's not too late. What do you want your life to look like? What do you want your marriage to look like? What do you want it to look like? Just think about that. What do you want your kids to look like? Now, I'm not talking about the chicken neck thing. I'm saying, I'm saying deep, deeper than that. What do you really want them to look like? What do you, when people see them, what do you want them to see? How do you want to mold them and make them and, and do what the Bible says? Raise them up in the, in the understanding of the Lord and, and people will look at them and, and they'll see something different. What do you want your kids to look like? What do you, what do you want to do? And as we think about that, 
think about this. God has given you that purpose and God has a plan and God has a direction. And, and most people really don't know what they want to do. They just take whatever they get. Well, this is what life dealt me. No, that's not what life dealt you. Decisions and the ways you've done things and the the, the people you've associated with and the the decisions you've made in the past, that's why that hand was dealt for you. If you don't like that hand, back and say, hey, this is what I really want. Stop letting letting life happen to you and say, okay, this is is what I want. Now, Now, if you'd say right now, okay, I know what I want. I know what I know I know where I want to go and maybe you haven't thought about this till right now but but if you've thought about it before today what have you done in the last 24 hours to make that happen when you say this is what I want what have you done to make that happen now we can say lord I want this year I want a garden that produces enough vegetables to feed my church And then I can go sit in my chair and turn on the TV and come harvest time, I can walk outside and what am I going to have? Nothing. God's not going to go, okay, let me get my fairy dust out and I'll sprinkle it out there and I'm going to answer that prayer. You can say, God, here's, here's what I want. And then begin to put some feet behind that. Begin to put some action behind that and say, okay, God, here's what I want. Here are what I think you made me to be. I want to see my marriage this way. I want to see my family this way. I want to see my job this way. And put some feet behind it. And start putting those things into action. And, and don't wait till you retire or till kids grow or till this gets or you get a new job or you get a raise or you get this paid for. Start today and say, okay, I'm going to start making moves that way. I'm going, to start, I'm going to start living it. Why? Because we're talking about living an abundant life. Psalms 37, verses 3, 4, and 5. This is just clips out of those verses. Listen to what it says. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord, listen, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Did you hear that? Trust the Lord and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He'll do it. That's a, that's a promise we have in God's Word. And, and when we come to the Lord and we, we surrender to the Lord, He says, okay, I've got a plan for you. And we put that plan into action. You know what? You become what God wanted you to be. You become what God had planned for you. And folks, in that, you find abundant life. Let's pray together. Father, I pray today, as we think about really, maybe for the first time, what does it mean for us to have life and have it more abundantly? Lord, I pray today that as we begin to think about who we are and what we are and what we desire, where we are in you, Father, I pray that Lord, we'd put those things together and we'd begin to see that you know us, you've called us, and and you find value in us. Father, because we are valuable to you, we are wonderfully made. Father, wherever we are in life, you still have a plan for us. You you still have a purpose. And, And Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just sit back and let life come to us, but Lord, we would we would seize the moment. And Father, we'd begin living today so 
at some point we wouldn't look back and say, oh, I wish when I was younger. I wish when I was, had grandchildren. Oh, I wish when I had great-grandchildren. I'd done this or that. But, but we would say, you know what? I've run a good race. I've lived a good life. I've finished the course laid out for me. And now there awaits for me a crown of righteousness. Lord, I pray that you'd help me just learn to live every day in the joy of the day. Father, I pray also today that we wouldn't rely on worldly desires and we wouldn't rely on possessions and material things and that to, to govern and rule our happiness. But Father, we would seek you first, the kingdom of God and righteousness, that right relationship, and know that all these other things will be added, all these other things will be taken care of. Father, I pray that we'd know we have hope in you, we have freedom in you, and most of all, we have love in you. And Father, this morning as we consider those things, I pray, Lord, if there'd be any here that says, you know what, I'm, I, I just need to come, I need to get a fresh start. Lord, you tell us in Scripture that, you know, if we'll, if we'll confess our sins, you're faithful and just forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That you, you forgive us of our sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. And Father, you, you say if we'll just come to you and if we'll repent, Lord, that you, you give us a fresh new start. Lord, if there'd be some today that said, I've got a little stale in my walk with the Lord and, and I've lost that joy of living. I've lost that, that pursuit of the abundant life. Lord, I pray today would be the day that we'd turn back towards you, Father. If there'd be any here that's never accepted you as a personal Savior, Heard all the messages, set through the invitations, but never made that step of saying, you know what, I want forgiveness. I want to accept the Lord as my first favor. I pray, Lord, today would be the day that we decide to follow you. Lord, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your hope. And I, I pray, Lord, now that you'd move during our time of invitation in the name of Jesus. Amen.